Long history, the age of exploration, memorable deaths. What were some of the most memorable deaths that took place as Europeans explored the world in the 14 and 1500s? Hello everyone and welcome to Long History. As any long-time listeners will know, after we've covered a long document here on Long History, we like to have a couple of episodes to break things up and give us a little bit of a pause for thought. Usually we look back on a previous document and summarise it, but in this case, the document that would have come next was called The Hunt for the Missing Captain, and it only took up five episodes, so it's not really worth summering when it was already so short to start with. So instead, we're going to look back on the previous documents covered by Long History, including explorers such as Magellan and Henry Hudson, and we'll pick out some of the most memorable deaths that took place. So if they pique your interest, you can go back and look at those episodes and those series in full. Now initially, admittedly, this was going to be called Gruesome Deaths. And I would add a bit of a content warning here. You are listening to an episode called Most Memorable Deaths, and they are memorable for a reason. So some of these deaths are not for the faint-hearted, and can be a bit stomach-churning, and surprisingly stomach-churning, I would say. So please be warned before you listen to this, and turn off if you're not interested. But really, the deaths we've covered here weren't just gruesome. We've got deaths that were nasty and hubristic and appalling and horrific. The people involved here were risking their lives, and often, they died as a result of those risks. At first we were going to do a top 10 deaths, as if you can rank such a thing. But often during these scenes, multiple people have died, so the numbers don't work out quite so simply as that. Anyway, that's enough introduction, so let's get on with the Age of Exploration, Memorable Deaths. Now I suppose there is an order of sorts to these deaths, but I just wrote them down in the order that they occurred to me. And the first document I covered in Long History was about the Magellan Fleet's first voyage around the world. And I've called this death a a moving death. And I think this death in particular was what captured my interest in the Age of Exploration, actually. Because it occurs very early on in Pigafetta's document, Pigafetta being the man who wrote this document, This is when Magellan and the fleet go to the area of today's Argentina and they meet a group of local people who stand out because they are so tall. And I think it's in episode 4 of that series that there's quite an eye-opening scene where Magellan and some of his men capture a couple of these men. They trick the men into putting on some shackles, telling them that they are giving them as gifts and then the men rage in fury as they realise that they've been trapped. And it's quite a sad and depressing moment really because the men have been friendly, and Magellan and the crew seem to have liked these people. And as the next few episodes continue, one of the men escapes, if I remember rightly, but it's the remaining man's death that's particularly sad. Pigafetta seems to like him, and uses him as a source of knowledge, noting down a lot of what he tells him. And then this quotation happens, when Magellan and his fleet finally round the tip of South America, a very arduous part of the journey, they enter the Pacific, having taken this tall man with them, but then they run out of food. The gums of both the lower and upper teeth of some of our men swelled, so that they could not eat under any circumstances, and therefore died. Nineteen men died from that sickness, and the giant, together with an Indian from the country of Verzin. Twenty-five or thirty men fell sick during that time in the arms, legs, or in another place, so that but few remained well. So altogether, this is a particularly sad and pointless death, really, and it's only given in passing in the text. And that's why I found this quite moving, actually. It was quite eye-opening about the times. Of course, you hear about slavery, 
but to read about it so specifically in this particular context and this rather pointless and fruitless death was very eye-opening and actually quite moving. Now, of course, the other famous death that took place in this document was the death of Magellan himself, which took place in episode 17. But as I've covered that in other episodes of Long History, in this case I thought I'd go with this Patagonian man's death. And the quotation about the death of this giant, as he's called, took place in episode 8. So from a particularly sad and moving death, for the next one, and in fact for many of these deaths, I found it a struggle to find an appropriate adjective, but the one I found here is cinematic. And this is from a document that I covered. I called it Florida, Texas and Northern Mexico in the 1500s. And it's about a man called Cabeza de Vaca who went on an expedition headed by a man called Panfilo de Narvaez, quite a strange name, around the Gulf Coast of today's United States. And from memory, the expedition began with about 600 men and ended up with only four. And of those deaths, one death of an individual stood out. And then later on, the deaths of quite a few men. But that first one, the cinematic one, is about the death of the leader of that expedition, Pamphilo de Narvaez. And all these deaths took place in episode 9 of this series, which is also the most gruesome of all the 200 plus episodes of Long History that I've done so far. But we'll get on to those gruesome deaths later. This is the cinematic death. And basically I suppose that leaders are most tested when things don't go well. And for this man, Pamphilo de Narvaez, it seems that nothing has gone well. They toured Florida, then they went up to the coast of the Florida Panhandle, they got in some boats, and crossed the mouth of the Mississippi, all the time with men dying of starvation and of disease, and at Pamphilo de Narvaez's most extreme point he is tested. Cabeza de Vaca is on one boat with some men, Pamphilo de Narvaez, the leader, has chosen to be on his boat, his own boat, with the strongest of the men. Cabeza de Vaca pleads for help. Lots of men have already died for this leader, and in this crucial moment when he could help to save Cabeza de Vaca and his men on that other boat, what does he say? He answered that it was no longer a time in which one should command another, but that each should do what he thought best to save his own life, that he so intended to act, and saying this, he departed with his boat. So Pamphilo de Narvaez, when he's most tested, basically says to his men, you're on your own. Now that took place in episode 6 of this series, Florida, Texas and Northern Mexico in the 1500s. But the cinematic death takes place in that other episode, previously mentioned episode 9. And this is that cinematic moment. Narvaez stayed the night in his boat, not wishing to come on shore. Having a coxswain with him and a page who was unwell, there being no water nor anything to eat on board. That at midnight, the boat, having only a stone for anchor... The north wind, blowing strongly, took her unobserved to sea, and they never knew more of their commander. So Pamphilo de Narvaez sort of gets his comeuppance, if only by being blown out to sea at night. And for want of a better word, it's quite a cinematic end for this man, who, when he was tested as a leader, appeared to fail the challenge, at least in Cabeza de Vaca's eyes. So moving on to those gruesome deaths, and the adjective I've actually ascribed to these deaths is horrific, and this is in the same document in the same episode. Basically in that episode, Cabeza de Baca told us the fate of Pamphilo de Narvaez because he found out the fate of a lot of men in that episode. 
and when I first read this document, I was surprised at just how horrific these deaths are, so please be aware that these are not for the faint-hearted. So here is the rather horrific description of the fate of many of the men on the expedition. Thus did the number go on diminishing. The living dried the flesh of them that died, and the last that died was Sotomayor. When Esquivel preserved his flesh and, feeding on it, sustained existence until the 1st of March, when an Indian of those that had fled, coming to see if they were alive, took Esquivel with him. So we can see here that the men are in such dire straits, and don't forget that many hundreds of men would have died during this expedition, and some of them got to the point where there was even cannibalism. And although cannibalism is sometimes alluded to in other documents, this is the only place where I've seen it explicitly mentioned in the documents that have been looked at so far in long history, particularly between Europeans. So these are really extreme moments in people's lives. Now for the next set of deaths, I've called them appalling. And this is from a document that we've called on long history, the Southern United States in the 1500s. And it's about an expedition headed by a man called Hernando de Soto. Now he explores all of the southeast of the United States, from Florida to Arkansas and all the states in between. And of course, during that expedition, he meets many of the local people. And one of the most memorable scenes in the whole document is in episode 11. De Soto and his men were in the Alabama area, and for the first time they come across a local leader, who appears both to have been forewarned of Hernando de Soto's arrival, and is prepared to stand up to him. And that's what he does, and events ramp up and eventually lead to this scene. The governor, witnessing this, with those who followed him in the returning charge of the footmen, entered the town on horseback, which gave opportunity to fire the dwellings. Then, breaking in upon the Indians and beating them down, they fled out of the place, the cavalry and infantry driving them back through the gates, where, losing the hope of escape, they fought valiantly, and the Christians, getting among them with cutlasses, they found themselves met on all sides by their strokes, when many, dashing headlong into the flaming houses, were smothered, and, heaped one upon another, burned to death. They who perished were in all 2,500, a few more or less. So this is de Soto getting his revenge for some deaths that took place earlier. Now the next death is from the same document, and I've called it hubristic, because although that death of 2,500 local people is the most extreme point of the document, Hernando de Soto certainly has not behaved very well with any of the local people. And at some points there is a sense that whatever they do, they might be friendly and inviting, they might be warlike and belligerent, but whatever they do, the local people are going to lose out against these people who suddenly arrive in their area. And much later on in the document, episode 18, we've got this hubristic death, and it's the death of Hernando de Soto himself. Here we go. The next day, the 21st of May, departed this life the magnanimous, the virtuous, the intrepid captain, Don Hernando de Soto, governor of Cuba and adelantado of Florida. He was advanced by fortune in the way she is wont to lead others, that he might fall the greater depth. He died in a land, and at a time, that could afford him little comfort in his illness, when the danger of being no more heard from stared his companions in the face, 
each one himself having need of sympathy, which was the cause why they neither gave him their companionship nor visited him, as otherwise they would have done. Now I'm not sure if hubristic is the right word here, but it's interesting to see in this short quote how in the end Hernando de Soto was left on his own. Apparently no one visited him as he died. And it's a very strange death for a leader, and more telling still is the reaction of the men when he's replaced, and instantly everyone is much happier. And all we've seen throughout the document is kind of the arrogance and the greed of Hernando de Soto. He wants to continue on always to find more money in richer lands. And eventually that chase catches up with him. And he seems to lose the favour of all the men he's with and dies on his own. And Hernando de Soto's death took place in episode 18 of that document, which on long history was called the Southern United States in the 1500s. So we've had the deaths of Magellan, Pamphilo de Narvaez, and then Hernando de Soto. So the leaders of all three of these expeditions end up dying. And there's a pattern emerging here, because in the next document we're looking at, which on long history was called the Philippines' first Spanish colony, we've got a rather extraordinary standout episode in this text, which is episode 14, actually goes over into episode 15, but episode 14 is called Total Mutiny on the San Jerónimo. And this takes place around 1565 when the first Spanish colony is being set up on the Philippine Islands. And the San Jerónimo was a relief ship being sent from New Spain to the Philippines. But on the way, there are a number of mutinies, leading to not one but three memorable deaths. And the adjective I've used here is nasty. These are nasty deaths. The first one took place as the crew were leaving New Spain. This is the quotation. They conspired against the captain and they behaved contemptuously and shamelessly with him in words and deeds, having little respect for him, and killing a horse that he brought with him, without it being known who could have done it. And although his friends, as it seemed bad to them what had happened, they told him and notified him of what they knew about this business, asking him to put place a guard on himself, telling him that whoever killed the horse could shamelessly do something worse, he laughed this off, dismissing it all, and thus they agreed to kill him, because he had not offered up any suitable solution, and one night, while he was sleeping in his chamber, they entered and stabbed him and his son to death. So there appeared to be, from the beginning, a lot of squabbling on this boat, which led to the death of this first captain, but then we have the fate of the man who took over from that captain, who was the sergeant major. Here we go. The pilot was informed about this by some of those who had stopped the sergeant major, and that night the pilot, with the support of some sailors, captured the sergeant major, telling him to agree to being shackled in order to calm the people down. And then the minor sergeant took and removed the weapons of the majority of the soldiers, putting them below deck, and the following day in the morning they all had lunch together, the pilot, the sergeant's major and minor, and others from this group. And after he was well drunk, Lope Martín, the pilot, ordered the sergeant major, who thought they were joking with him, to be hanged. He said, what games were these, and that they should let him be. They hanged him without confession, and threw him into the sea half alive. And the pilot Lope Martín was left as leader. So again, that's the second nasty death to take place on this ship. 
but possibly the worst death takes place next with the leader who took over from the sergeant major, who was this pilot, Lope Martin. And I'll give you the quotation explaining the fate of Lope Martin here, but I'll explain the context afterwards and why it's a particularly nasty death. And Lope Martin remained with 26 people, along with most of the clothing and all the soldiers' chests. And the pilot remained confident, saying and announcing that the ship would be returned to his power thanks to some sailors on the ship who were his friends. Rodrigo de Angle made sail and said he would take them to Zebu, so they went with him. Now that was the quote that explains his fate, but it was difficult to find a specific quote about what's happening here. But basically the men had reached an abandoned desert island, and this man, Rodrigo del Angle, decides to rise up against Lope Martin, the latest leader, and basically strands him on this desert island, along with 26 men. And they head off to Zebu on the Philippine Islands. So there we go, on the trip of the San Jeronimo, three leaders were killed in separate mutinies, all in quite different and quite nasty ways. One was stabbed, one was hanged and thrown overboard, and the other was left to die on a desert island. And that took place in episode 14 of the series called The Philippines' First Spanish Colony. Now the next death is actually the one that prompted the idea for this episode, and the adjective we've used here is dishonourable. But again, it's perhaps too tidy a word for such a messy death. And it's in the most recent series about Henry Hudson. And I think Henry Hudson's death is particularly dishonourable, for want of a better word, because basically some men hold a mutiny and abandon him, with some of the remaining sick people on the ship, to fend for themselves in the frozen north. Now the mutineers, according to their account of events, see this as the best way to survive the journey home. But we are listening to the survivor's account here. And this is from episode 22 of the series called Henry Hudson. And this is the scene where the men were loaded into the boat. Then was the shallop hailed up to the ship's side, and the poor, sick and lame men were called upon to get them out of their cabins into the shallop. The master called to me, who came out of my cabin as well as I could, to the hatchway to speak with him, where on my knees I besought them, for the love of God, to remember themselves, and to do as they would be done unto. They bade me keep myself well, and get me into my cabin, not suffering the master to speak with me. But when I came into my cabin again, he called to me at the horn which gave light into my cabin, and told me that Jewett would overthrow us all. Nay, said I, it is that villain Henry Green, and I spake it not softly. So that's the scene where Henry Hudson, who has been on four journeys with these men, is abandoned in a boat with the sick men, with the excuse that that will help the remaining men to get home, with that scene taking place in episode 22 of the Henry Hudson document. And really the theme continues here. The previous death was of another captain, and in the next document, if the point about the fate of captains hadn't been made well enough, taken almost to a ridiculous extreme in the document we called After Magellan, and this was about the Loaysa expedition. This is actually quite a short document, about the second ever voyage across the Pacific by a European after Magellan, and it's not so much that the deaths are memorable, as that the number of deaths of leaders is memorable. The crew had a particularly arduous time around the Magellan Strait, the southern tip of South America, and they've made it into the Pacific when this happens. In this way, 
Due to our exhaustion and lack of food, our misery was great and some men died. Amongst those who died were Tejera, the treasurer, and Rodrigo Vermejo, pilot of the said ship. On the 30th day of the month of June, the captain-general, Fray Garcia de Loaiza, died. So it appears that the leader of the expedition died of starvation on the ship in the Pacific and he has a noteworthy successor, Martín Pérez de Cano. Now, interestingly, this man, Cano, was the man who headed the Magellan expedition after Magellan died. So although this title of first people to make it round the world is given to Magellan, he actually died halfway through the voyage and it's this Del Cano who was one of the first men to make it around the world. So here on this voyage is taken over from Loaiza. Loaiza died on the 30th of June and just over a month later, Cano dies. His replacement is a man called Captain Salazar. He dies to be replaced by a man called Inigis. Now this man makes it to the Spice Islands, but then he dies being poisoned by the Portuguese. And then his replacement is Hernando de la Torre, and he does actually survive a number of years, but then he dies on the way back to Europe. So actually, all the men who headed this expedition over the 12-year period end up dying during the expedition. So I'm not really sure if that's because they're leaders or just that we know they've died because they were the leaders. But that was a document called After Magellan and there is actually a sequel document to that document which we called The Hunt for the Missing Captain which is one of the most recent documents we've covered on Long History. That was only five episodes. And in the fifth episode of those five episodes we find out the fate of the leader of that expedition who was called Saavedra. Just to round off this episode, really, Saavedra's death is not the most spectacular, and I wouldn't say it stands out as being particularly memorable, other than for one detail. And this is the quotation of this man's death from episode 5 of The Hunt for the Missing Captain. At the time of his end and his death, he called everyone and asked them all to sail up to 30 degrees, and once there, if the weather was not suitable to go to New Spain, that they should return to Tidore, giving the ship and everything that was in it to the captain Hernando de la Torre, so that he could do with her as was best to serve our lord and our emperor. Now this particular scene, the way it's written here, reminds me of something we always have to remember with these texts, because it strikes me that this is a little too neat. Perhaps this did happen, that on his deathbed this man declared what the men should do next so that they can follow those orders, but at the very least it would have been very much tidied up for this anecdote written down. So I think it's always worth remembering in all these deaths that we're reading one point of view, other points of view would have been available, some of the people here are portrayed as arrogant, some of them perhaps as weak, and perhaps other people would have had exactly the opposite point of view. So either way, they're all memorable deaths. We've had poisoning, abandonment, hanging, throwing overboard, stranding, burning, cannibalism, scurvy, and Pamphila de Narvaez in that cinematic moment sailing into oblivion. So there you go, this is long history where we like to give you the full details given in source documents. And sometimes those events can be quite dry and bureaucratic. But really, when you pick out these memorable deaths and these horrific, surprising events that take place, you realise how it's worth taking your time over these documents sometimes to pick out these memorable moments. So thank you for listening to this episode of Long History. 
Please, before you move on, like it and subscribe and share this episode with anyone who might be interested. Thank you for listening and goodbye.